You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. It is Super Bowl week. Uh, we're just hours away now as we record here on a Thursday of Super Bowl week. Uh, I am as excited as can be for the Kansas City Chiefs and their third appearance in, in four years. It doesn't get old. You know, as a fan for so many years of uh, at first rarely seeing them on TV and then as team kind of changed over, all those old Hall of Famers kind of went by the wayside. And there were some dark times in my fandom in the late 70s and into the 80s. End of the 80s, we got Marty Schottenheimer and kind of got the team turned around and never really had, you know, the top flight quarterback, had Montana kind of at the end of his career. But what a defense. Couldn't get over the hump. I don't know how many years they were the number one seed and they kept getting beat in the playoffs. But now it's just this is like I'm a kid in a candy store and I uh, just can't wait. So, uh, Alex, uh, I, I'm sure you love hearing all this gushing about the Chiefs and that this is a Chiefs program. But uh, I'm going to do it. It's my week, man. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, Lou. I'm, I'm happy for you. I, I honestly am. You and I spoke off the air and you've got your uh, Chiefs gear on everywhere. You've got your your lucky underwear and, and socks. Different outfit every day, man. So Just to... The kids keep supplying you with, with regular Chiefs stuff. And uh, Oh, yeah. I have enough. Don't have to wear anything else ever, I don't think. Enjoy the ride, <laughs> you know, as they say, because the, yeah. the 49ers had that ride, you know, like, for the, all those Super Bowls and, you know, late 80s, early 90s, and then, you know, it went sour for a while. And now, you know, obviously the Chiefs are enjoying this uh, this great time with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and just enjoy it. You'll never get those memories back. You just wonder with all, you know, every sports show you, you hear, they're, they're constantly talking about legacy. And especially this week, I mean, the other night, LeBron just uh, passed over you know, Kareem for the all-time scoring record for total points in, in a career. And, you know, Kareem had held that record for, I don't know, 30-some years, it seems like. Um, but, you know, now here you got a kid, he's 27 years old. He started for five years. Every year that he's been a starter, they've gotten at least to the AFC Championship. This is his third Super Bowl. He lost the last one, one and one. I mean, is there? I mean, do you feel like maybe there's pressure on him? Like if he doesn't win this one, all of a sudden you start looking at him a little bit different. I mean, that's kind of what what we've come to, you know, in sports talk and just society in general is that, uh, oh, my gosh, no, he's lost more Super Bowls than he's won. Maybe he's not that good. You know, it just it it just it's just surprising. I mean, when you when you're saying enjoy the ride, people don't. It's like, no, give me the result. Either win or you lose. I mean, it's almost, you know, if you talk to certain fans, it's almost better to not go to a Super Bowl than to lose it. 
Well, I mean, if uh, if you're going to the Super Bowl quite as like if you if you're going to the Super Bowl as frequently as the Chiefs lately, then you don't mind that because I'm sure you'll get a few more trips out of this. But sure, you want to win, Lou, because nobody remembers the Super Bowl well, yeah, loser. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, nobody does. <laughs> nobody talks about That's that. Right. I mean, I- well, unless you lose a bunch of them, like Jim Kelly, uh, J- John Elway at the beginning of his career. So you've got certain got Fran Tarkenton if you really want to go back. Uh, so it's just, you know, one of those things where, again, you start feeling legacy, Tom Brady just retired, you know, so now that bogey is set, it's at seven. It used to be back in the day, it was four. You had Montana with four Bradshaw with four that, that was the thing. And now Brady's kind of smashed through that. And now you've got, again, this kid, he's only 27 years old. And if anybody has a chance, you would think it's him. And if he gets two by the time he's 27, now it's like, okay, here we go. But now all of a sudden, if you don't, it's like, you know, everything you've done to this point is like meaningless because you lost your second Super Bowl. Oh, he needs this one, Lou. I mean, he just, he needs this one badly because it is about winning championships. It is about chasing that Super Bowl. And right. Oh, no question. And like I said, you, you feel like, you continue you're you're going to continue to do this every year if you have a good enough team if you keep the the players intact if you keep the coaching staff you know together and stuff like that but they they face a tough matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles and it's it certainly feels like you could make a case that what the Bucks did against the Chiefs a couple of years back that it might very well happen with the Eagles here because it's the same defensive front, uh, dangerous guys that can get after Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is not going to be 100% in this game. And I'm worried about the right tackle, Lou. I mean, Andrew Wiley is going to go against the... He's going to go against Hassan Reddick. 19 and a half sacks this season. Three and a half sacks during the playoffs. That's a tough matchup. And the kid, Wiley... Has given up like almost 10 sacks this season. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think it said it's like the fourth most of any right tackle or maybe any offensive lineman. I, I can't remember what exactly what the stat was. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a much different offensive line than they had. They didn't even have, you know, most of their starter, you know, with – you know, Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher both missing the game against Tampa Bay. So from that perspective, from the Chiefs side of things, I think – there's a little bit more continuity. They've got better players. But, of course, you still have Andrew Wiley on the right side. Now, he's been able to kind of hold off Lucas Niang because, you know, he's had some injuries and whatever. Now, that kid had played well when he was healthy. But, you know, again, he's had a hard time staying healthy. So, yeah, I mean, that's – it's, you know, first thing I wrote down, I mean, this – just like every other playoff game, is going to come down to O-line versus D-line both ways. Right uh, now, even though the Chiefs were distant second, they still had the you know second most sacks, uh, win rate, pass rush rate, hits on the quarterback, you know all this stuff. They were they were up there, but of course, you know Philadelphia, they're at like historical proportions, maybe surpassing the '84 and '85 Bears for total sacks in an over the course of a season plus playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, that that's the biggest concern right there is, is protection for, for Patrick. And I think a couple of things, 
that I take some solace in is one, they went through that experience in that Super Bowl. And I think they learned a lot from that. And they learned a lot from uh, the Cincinnati games last year and this year as well uh, with the, the defenses, the way they play them. And I think just the evolution of, of Patrick Mahomes, he doesn't go for broke on a regular basis. He has been a little bit more tactical with that. He doesn't bail from the pocket quite as as quickly as he was before, because that was kind of his, that's his superpowers is kind of getting away from the rush and kind of the, the unscripted play, the play after the play. So I'm a little bit more, I guess, confident from that perspective, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, Philly's, pass rush D line is, is no joke. And they come in waves. I mean, they've got about eight guys that they rotate in and out. So uh, yeah, that, that is the key matchup in this game. No doubt. And also like when you look at what the chiefs could have exploited in this game, you know, as far as like slowing down the game, running the football, something they haven't been able to do something they weren't able to do against the Bengals which I think hurt them in a major way. And I realize that Philadelphia has improved the rush defense by leaps and bounds. But still, you need to keep it balanced. You can't just hope that Patrick Mahomes is going to be dominant and just carry the Chiefs uh, to, to the Super Bowl win. Because even though, again, the Eagles' defense is suspect in the secondary, I still believe it is. They have the players, but... They, they don't have the numbers, but I just don't see how the the Chiefs are going to be able to exploit that. You know, they've got injuries all across the wide receiver core. Uh, Travis Kelsey, I'm sure they're going to double him. They're going to use zone coverage on him. I don't think, I don't think, knowing Gannon, knowing the fact that they play a lot of zone defense, they're going to bracket Kelsey and try to let somebody else beat you. Who is it going to be? Is it going to be, you know, Valdez Scantling? Is it going to be Juju, even though he's been hurt? He's been questionable this week. He is going to play. But I think Smith Schuster is the only guy that I believe can take advantage of this. He could be like the X factor, the, the key player in this. But is he healthy enough? Can he go? The last four weeks, four or five weeks, he's been missing from action, basically. I mean, I haven't seen too many balls throwing his way and I just it besides Kelsey I just don't see anybody on the Chiefs that can hurt the Eagles you know pass defense well I think a lot is going to come from the backs right McKinnon probably McKinnon is going to be a jet the jet Pacheco they did that Edward Solaire is active for this game and I think that's when when Hardman was ruled out I think that was their move I don't know that he's going to get many carries, but I think they'll use him in the passing game a little bit as well. I don't think he'll have a huge role, but you know he'll be in that rotation for sure. I guess if you're going to say, and I guess the cliche is the X factor, what they have in store, how they're going to use Kadarius Tony because he was injured, but he's practicing. It's everything, you know, I've been watching a lot of the, the media obligations of Jesus. It's every day and almost tired of these guys. I mean, I can't believe, 
if I was like one of those coaches, you just hear the same questions every day and you know, you're not going to, you can't answer the, the question, but you have to find some way to give them something. But I think it sounds like uh, Tony is going to play. He'll definitely have a role in this game. He'll be the guy with the, you know, with the, with the jet sweeps kind of taking Hardman's role. But I, I, I like the fact that you mentioned Juju because he's if they do, if they are overplaying Kelsey some, which you got to believe they are. But again, we've been saying this for 10 years. OK, I mean, and everybody says, well, why is Kelsey always open? Why can't you know they of course they're they're, they're going to double him. They're going to shade him. They're going to chip him. They're going to you know, they're going to whatever. Somehow, some way he makes plays. But. It's nice to have, you know, Juju kind of has that same mentality. Even though he's a wide receiver, he finds the dead spots. He's able to kind of get those those short balls and, and take them because he's a big dude, yards after the catch. So that that's going to be the big thing to slow down the rush is some quick passes, get the balls in the back's hands quickly, uh, a lot of maybe a lot of lateral stuff to kind of get those defensive ends moving in different directions, trying trying to make plays away from the quarterback, and and then they got to pick their spots when they when they need to go down the field, and that's where MVS is going to come in. So that's kind of the the, the way I see it. They're going to try to get Pacheco involved and see if they can make any hay in the running game early. And hopefully they continue with it. But that's kind of the way I see the game the game playing out. As far as Philadelphia on offense, what what are you thinking? I mean, it Hertz hasn't had to throw the ball much since he got injured. Uh, it doesn't seem like he has the same rhythm and timing with the wide receivers. But again, it's a limited sample because quite frankly, you know, the Giants twice and the first time they played a bunch of backups and they just did enough to, to, to win the game. And then they played them in the playoffs and it was done before it started. And then the San Francisco game, same thing. So it, it's hard to say, where's Jalen hurts in this whole thing. It's hard to say, but you know, the Eagles are going to rely on their rushing attack and that's elite low. I mean, that's what they do. I mean, yeah, that that's been their MO. I mean, they'll be able to put up points against the chiefs on the ground. They're going to be able to pick up yards because if Hurts and the Eagles offense get in those third downs, the Chiefs are very good there. They'll stop them. They have the ability to just drop back into zone and it's going to cause problems for Hurts because his numbers this year, uh, for the people that keep stats, against man coverage, he's been very good on third downs. Against zone coverage, he struggles with his decision making. He holds on to the ball. And if he holds on for like a half you know, a second or an extra second, the the Chiefs pass rush is going to get there. The X factor here is Steve Spagnola because the guy has been almost like perfect. He's been amazing, you know, like designing these game plans for, for the Super Bowl. He did it with the Giants before. He's done it with the Eagles here. So he always has like a few surprises, a few wrinkles, as they say, especially with the, the two weeks of preparation that, that comes in handy here. But the Chiefs' pass rush has to get home. They have to like contain Hurts a little bit. I do think he's uncomfortable throwing the ball. I do think that he's not in rhythm with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. But again, the Eagles haven't gotten themselves... 
The entire season, I've watched the Eagles and I've doubted them, right? They've always got out to a lead. They always like had the lead in the second half, so they didn't have to throw. Hertz didn't have to play from behind. When he has to play from behind, I don't think he is at his best. I know that the Chiefs can play from behind. Mahomes can put up a, a ton of yards, you know, throw for a ton of touchdowns. Hertz can't do that. It's more of a balanced attack. It's more of we take the lead, we get home with the defense, and we seal the win. So I think it's all going to be about the rushing attack. They're not going to try to put Hurts in those third and long situations. If he's left there in those third and long situations, the Eagles in the offense, you know, their offense, they're not going to succeed. Well, the R- the RPO game, I mean, obviously is huge. I mean, these two teams, and especially Philadelphia, uh, their RPO team. I mean, that's that's kind of the bread and butter of, of the offense. So that's where it's going to, you know, it's going to take some um, – I guess where the, maybe the creativity of Spagnuolo is going to come into place. Is he going to, are they going to put three linebackers on the field and maybe force Hertz to throw the ball? You know, if they see, you know, if they're, they've got like seven up front, are they going to say, okay, well, Hey, we can throw against these guys. Now they've got a bunch of rookies back there. We can make, Hey, throwing the ball. So may, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a chess game there, but again, with the RPOs, those defensive ends have got to be solid. You know, Frank Clark, Carlaftis, uh, Mike Dana, uh, Dunlap, they've got to be solid and almost set, almost kind of set an edge and force hurts to make a decision very quickly and maybe those linebackers can make some plays on, on passes. So it, it's it's going to be a very unique chess game. That first quarter is going to be very interesting on both sides of the ball. No matter who has it, what are they going to do on offense to try to slow down you know, the, the other team's you know strength on defense? So it, it, it should be very interesting that first quarter. Not really sure how it's going to go. But, uh, yeah, I, this just it, it just seems like a – one of the more interesting matchups we've had in, in a few years. I just can't imagine like the Eagles winning the Super Bowl with Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts leading the charge. I mean, I just like, I look at it, I realize that there have been Super Bowl winning quarterbacks that haven't sniffed the playoffs after winning the Super Bowl and, and have gone down in history for winning it, right? But the truth is, just like when I look at these two teams, it's like, I can see Mahomes and Andy Reid hoisting up that that trophy. I can't see for the Eagles to do the same with what they have a quarterback and, and you know their their head coach. But it's it's yeah. a lot more well, it than that. It's a team game. You it know, sounds sounds like a similar story going back to what was it, 2017? I agree. Can you see Nick? Are you you know could you see Nick Foles and Doug Peterson and the, you know on the other side you got Belichick and Brady and like. Wow. I mean, that's just it. And what a game, you know, I mean, it was just a, just an amazing game. Uh, and here they are with a different quarterback and a different coach. And it's only five years later. So, uh, again, I think this Philadelphia team actually is a lot better than that team. Don't you defensively? hundred percent. I mean, it's a much better team, especially up front. I haven't seen anything like it. I've underrated the Eagles all year long. I thought they were going to lose in the playoffs, even though they had 
the best record in the NFC. Again, this is the team that I doubted all along. I, I, I saw the Chiefs being here. I certainly didn't see the Eagles being in this position. And here we are again. But a lot of people, who's the favorite this week? Who's the favorite right now? Philadelphia opened a slight favorite, and they still are. It looks like, uh, it, and it'll probably go this way up to game time. Eagles are like a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, the totals anywhere from 50 to 51, depending on where you go. But, uh, yeah, slight Eagles slightly favored, which, again, even though it's just a point-and-a-half, I think maybe just like psychologically, I don't think the players look at the point spreads, but – if you, you you're listening to media members, so-called experts, former players, and whatever, it seems to be tilting very much on the on the green side of the ledger, and uh, I kind of enjoy that because it just seems like oh the Chiefs are always the the favorite, and it's just it's just a whole different mentality when you go in a little bit with that underdog mentality where it's almost like you know we're it's us against the world when it really isn't. I mean, they they make this defense this defense out to be like the '85 Bears, but they're certainly not that, not as good statistically. It looks like they might be, but that was just a whole different level as far as what I remember seeing them and just how dominant that defense was. They didn't give up any points, uh, and they were playing against good, very good quarterbacks. So that's that's the one thing that, again, gives me a little confidence that, again, I mean, all due respect. Well, the thing is, Brock Purdy played like what, five plays? Right. Five snaps. And, and he's and he's a third string, you know, start out as a third team, seventh round pick, you know, Josh Johnson, uh, Daniel Jones. So it wasn't like they faced some you know great passing attacks. So. We'll see. I, I don't know. I, it's just uh, it's it's going to play out, and I just like I, I guess I prefer the Chiefs being the underdog. I guess from my perspective, and maybe the players will rally around that too. Who knows? I would much rather be an underdog as well, just because you know you're you're not the favorite. Uh, everybody realizes that you have Patrick Mahomes there, but last time the Chiefs were the favorites, they got blown out of the water during the last Super Bowl. So. Um, I, again, I would I would much rather take the underdog the underdog role as well. Yeah, and you've got you know first time coach, first time quarterback. They've got some core players that are still left over from that 2017 team, but you know it's just you know you know Kelsey Phillips, Fletcher Cox, um, Lane Johnson. I think that's kind of their the calling them the core four. Uh, but you know, there's so much change. I mean, even the Chiefs. I mean, it's like they've got like I think like 24 players that haven't been to a Super Bowl. Even though with the Chiefs, there's I don't know. I'm trying to think if they have anybody on the team right now that was at a Super Bowl with somebody else. But it escapes me if they are now. Uh, but you've got guys like late in the career Dunlap. This is his first Super Bowl. But they've got like. 10 rookies or at least nine of them playing significant roles on offense, defense, special teams, the whole thing. So uh, yeah, maybe that that's, that's part of the allure too. The chiefs have their core, but 
they also have all these young guys that they're kind of pulling along with them. And that's, uh, yeah, all these guys, McDuffie, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watts, and Brian Cook all will play significant snaps. Now, fortunately, um, uh, LJ, uh, Legere Sneed came out of the uh, concussion protocol, so he should be good to go. Uh, that's a huge huge influence in this game because he's like the he's like the grizzled vet of the defensive backs and i think this is only his fourth or fifth year so uh anyway i I guess what we're getting at here is that even you've got a team that's favored but first time coach first time quarterback a lot of firsts for that team and uh here we go man i just can't wait i can't i can hardly talk i i just can't wait for the game to start i'm gonna make my pick low up I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs in this game. I just, I can't go against them. I can't go against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. You know, Mahomes is one-on-one. He's got to get back on the winning track. I do think that the Chiefs will have success in the passing game. And I do think that they'll get Jalen Hurts in those third and long situations and and have success. So I'm, I'm taking your Kansas City Chiefs to win another Super Bowl. Did you hear what Ayuk said? What did he say? His quote, like after, you know, in between games was like, well, I really think that the Chiefs can expose that defensive backfield. We didn't get a chance to do what, you know, we thought we were going to be able to do against them, obviously because Purdy got hurt. But he made it sound like, you know, this is, you know, that they're overmatched in the defensive backfield, which I thought was either he was just pissed or it might be, might be telling. I don't know. Uh, This is a tough one. Uh, You know, Patrick Mahomes plus points. I mean, yeah, you would, that's insanity. I think to go, to go against that guy. And again, uh, every game in the playoffs is an OMDB game. And I'll say it over again, over my dead body. I just don't see him letting, letting them lose. Uh, obviously this is like the ultimate team sport no there's no way one guy can can pull them up but you know if there's anybody that can do it he can and i think maybe the defense also you know keeps hearing this about how great you know the the eagles defense is and how are they going to you know how are the chiefs going to score any points how they're going to keep patrick Mahomes on his feet this is going to be you know they're, they're going to have like 10 sacks i mean all this stuff and you're if you're on the other defense, you're thinking like, wait a second, we're pretty, we're pretty damn good ourselves. We, Chris Jones, Frank Clark has a chance to uh, to take over the lead in uh, lifetime sacks in the playoffs. I think he's two and a half behind McGinnis. Um, and yeah, you got some pride out there too. But again, the, the rookies. I mean, I, is that concerning to you at all? I mean, they're not rookies anymore, but. I think these guys are kind of developing a swagger amongst themselves. And this could be one of their more formidable units moving forward into the next, you know, into the next few years, because McDuffie is a badass. I you know, people don't talk much about him because he was hurt at the beginning of the year and sauce Gardner just kind of took the league by storm. And Tarek Woolen was a later round pick for Seattle. And he had a great rookie year, bunch of, bunch of interceptions, but McDuffie quietly is has had a great year, and I think moving forward you're going to be hearing about him a lot more. And 
you know our affinity for Joshua Williams. Anybody that comes on pros like us, we kind of adopt them as our own. So that was pretty cool that he's a chief. Jalen Watson making plays on the ball, it seems like, every week. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to go against them. I don't know if this is an official pick. Um so, but let's make it an official pick. What do you think of the total? Do you think it's going to be a high-scoring game? I do think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I do. I think it's going to go over. You're going over 51? I am going over 51 just because I think of, I know who's playing quarterback for the Chiefs, and I think the Eagles are going to be successful running that football, especially in the first half, and I think they'll score a few touchdowns there. Um, I just, I can't go with an under here. Uh, I'm not saying it's, you know, it's explosive offense as considering that besides Kelsey, I mean, the Chiefs are, are hurt at wide receiver. They don't have that many weapons. But I do think that especially what the Chiefs offense has been able to do this year without Tyreek Hill, spreading the ball around, Mahomes makes a living, you know, making these guys look better than what they are, like, like Brady or Aaron Rodgers, and I am going over here. Yeah, I you know, it it's very difficult to go under in a, in a, in a Chiefs game. Now this year, again, it's been a little bit different, not quite as explosive, more of an efficient, and they just kind of, you know, they just jab and jab and jab and you know make. Nothing, not a ton of over the top and, you know, drives that are four plays, 80 yards in a minute and 20 seconds. I mean, it's been a little bit more methodical with the short passing game, a little bit more running. Uh, And I thought, you know, last against Cincinnati that there wouldn't be nearly as much scoring. But in this game, again, you really don't have any elements to worry about. Uh, They're indoors. It's in Arizona. So, that's really not going to play a factor. So I think I'm going to go with you there and go with the over, even though both teams will try to, I think, control the clock somewhat. Obviously, Philadelphia wants to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, and obviously the Chiefs don't want to you know, have to defend that RPO game very long. All right, so there you have it, folks. We both like the Chiefs, and we both like the over. You heard it here first, unless, of course, it goes the other way. But uh, I might be in a depression mode at that point. No, folks, I'm always here for you. And joining us next is going to be pretty exciting college wide receiver. So let's take a listen to him. He's a wide receiver, late of the Houston Cougars. Prior to that, Texas Tech Red Raiders. So we got a little Texas feel here. The pride of Houston. Keyshawn Carter. Keyshawn Carter, how you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you? All right, man. Just mentioned Houston. Alex going to jump in here in just a minute, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Jalen Hurts, Houston guy. What do you think about him playing the Super Bowl this weekend? He's a great player. Just been watching him since I've been in high school, really. Seeing him get to the point that I'm trying to get to has just been a great feeling, really. Keyshawn, are you going to be rooting for Patrick Mahomes and and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? Because, I mean, obviously you guys have a connection there. Lou mentioned that you used to play for the Red Raiders. Patrick also is a former Red Raider. So are you rooting for the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes? Yes, sir. I'm rooting for the Chiefs. uh, Just as the Red Raider alumni and seeing him be great, striving to be the best, always uh, just give me motivation to watch him and cheer for them. 
right, let's find out. Where are you currently training? Currently training at Armed Sports with NFL vet Derrick Bellylock, who clocked a 4.36 in his 40 when he did a pro day. Right now, I'm working on mostly my 40 and speed and agility drills going on, just trying to get that perfected and working on my craft. What do you think is going to be the key to your pro day? I mean, besides that that 40 time, and I'm sure you're going to run a blistering time. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But what are some other things that you think you need to accomplish during your pro day? Right now, I'm just seeing, like, speed and agility drills, just showing them that I can move side to side and showcase that I really can move side to side and not just straight line speed. Obviously, since the season ended, uh, there are a lot of postseason events, and I know you participated in the College Gridiron Showcase in Texas, and then the Tropical Bowl, which is in Florida. Tell us about those events. How did they make you better? And uh, obviously, you were around NFL teams and scouts out there. Tropical Bowl and CGS were both great experiences. Uh, Just being out there just taught me a lot of tools and I need to prepare for the NFL. Just seeing a lot of scouts out on the sideline, hearing feedback from them. I met with a couple of teams like the Bears, Jets, and Eagles, and the feedback that they gave me was that my speed would kill always. and They would just want to see that I can go from side to side and use my yards at the kids because I was mainly used as a position receiver, so they really didn't have a lot of film on me going side to side and yards after catch, catching the ball and running after it. Keisha, I want to take you back a little bit. Uh, mentioned you're, you're from Houston. High school football in Texas is almost a different sport, and it is followed uh, very fervently, to say the least. How would you describe playing at the Woodlands in Houston? And How would you just describe high school football in general for you? What was your experience? Man, Texas is the mecca for high school football. And we don't play around around here. Everything out here in Texas is just big. I mean, every stadium you go to, it's million-dollar stadiums. You got classifications from 1A to 6A. And I played at the highest level, and it's a lot of competition in 6A. So any game that you win into, you just had to have your mindset where you was going to be playing some of the best people in Texas. So like your home stadium, typically what kind of crowd would you have? Sold out crowd, both sides. I mean, we talking 10,000, 20,000? I can say 10,000. Just at the Woodlands. I mean, uh, Woodlands is just loving and supporting city. And just going to the Woodlands just made me become a better person because I just met a lot of people and a lot of fans really supported the Woodlands. So it just really made me grateful to go there. Man, I mean, they're really passionate about their football, especially high school football. It's like... (laughs) It's like a religion down there on Friday night. Yes, sir. Well, besides football, you were also a track star in high school. Tell us about things that you accomplished in that sport. I really didn't start running track till my sophomore year in high school. I got caught running to the bush by the track coach, and he ended up telling me, come out and try for the track. So I ended up going out there and just getting a couple of practices in. and I ran a couple of meets, like two meets before district, and I was on varsity. And I ended up making it to regionals. When I got to regionals, I kind of got woke up in the track area, the track world, because everybody was training different. And I was just jumping out there trying to run. But I ended up clocking a 10-5 my first year. And 
by next year, I end up surprising everybody and winning state, running a 10-2, winning the 4 by 2 with a 123-51. And my senior year, I end up taking off for real and running a 10-2 again and setting a national record in the 4 by 2 And we, we still hold that record to this day. Did you have any aspirations to run track in college and maybe go to the Olympics? Actually, I got a double scholarship to go to Texas Tech for football and track. And I ended up winning the national championship with the track team in 2018. How do you believe that speed, that, that track speed, will translate to the field in the NFL? How does it correlate? Me running past defenders, I could see from the track that my speed was separating me from defenders and making defenders scared to come up and press me. So I would just change up how I would run the route or just seeing the speed that I'm gaining on the field and got defenders scary and going about it, running my routes full speed always. So I see a lot of translation in the speed that I have from the track to the football field. So you started out at, at Texas Tech, and you were there for three years, and then you decided to transfer. What led to that decision? My mom was struggling, and my grandma was going through a couple of chemotherapies, so I felt it was best and needed to come back home and help out around home while everything was going on, and ended up turning out well for me. I succeeded at U of H, and just helping my family out, that's really important. And my grandma was my heart, so like once I found out that, I just felt the need to come back home and play for the city. Okay, and there you're playing for Coach Holderson and your receiver coach, uh, Carrier. Now, th did they recruit you when they were at West Virginia? Yes, they did. All right, and then three years later, you end up going there. So what made that special connection for you? What would you say, Coach Holgerson, and then also Coach Carrier, what they've meant to your career? Coach Holgerson just gave me an opportunity to play. He helped me develop patience being on the sideline. and He trusted me in key situations like third and fourth down or game one drives. He trusted the ball in my hands. So, and Coach Carrier – He'd been recruiting me since high school, and he was also a track and football guy, so he pretty much had a lot to teach me when it came to that. And I put my trust in him, and he put his trust in me. We've been connected since high school. i always been connected with him. Went to Texas Tech because that was my first heart. The Big 12, obviously, Coach Holgerson as well, you know, they all come from the air raid tree, if you would. I don't want to say it's polarizing, but as far as from an NFL standpoint, what makes that a, a good training ground to be an NFL receiver? And then what do you think maybe are some of the negatives that people talk about that offense and how it may or may not be the best for you going into the NFL? I mean, the air raid prepares you just to know any position on the field. You have to know more than one position instead of being a one-trick pony. Because if you're a one-trick pony, you just know your spot. You're not going to be able to get on the field when you get to the next level because you can just go up there and be like, I only play slot receiver. But if you know all the positions, you can end up going outside or moving back inside to the slot. Just knowing your assignment on the field will help you way better with the playbook. And of course, vers versatility is going to, you know, obviously the more you can do, more positions you can play. So I, I can see that as 
luck should have it. Uh, you, you transfer from Texas Tech to Houston, and this year you go back to Texas Tech and play. What was that like going back to your old stomping grounds and uh, going on the, in the visitors' locker room? It felt weird, really, when I first got back there and I was in the visitors' locker room, but it was good seeing my former coach, Coach Jones, the receiver coach at Tech, and just seeing all my brothers that I had left just made me feel like I was back at home and just going back on the field I started on felt pretty good just being out there being comfortable but we didn't get the outcome we wanted but it was still good seeing the fans they still show love and just seeing my friends out there playing and everything Texas Tech will always have a special place in my heart this past season you uh saved your best performance uh, against Memphis uh that was an exciting ending to that game you guys overcame a 19-point fourth-quarter deficit. Uh, tell us about that game, just from an individual and team standpoint. My number was called when the last couple of drives came up, and I just stepped up because you never know when is your time, so you always got to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. When it was my time, I just showed up and showed out. And just being the person I am, I'm knowing that, I always be ready when it's time for me to go. And when I got out there, I just made everything count. We just went out there and executed. We have a slang saying, when we're up, we don't coast. When we're down, we don't panic. When we're tired, we execute. So that's what we stuck to when we went in at halftime, came back out, and we executed. Well, Houston scored two touchdowns in the final uh, 117 of that game, so to pull it out against Memphis. What has your quarterback, Clayton Toon, meant to you and your game? Captain America, and that's what I call him. Uh, he just saves the day all the time. He's running the offense. He's behind everything. He sees everything. He put his trust into me going up to catch balls and throwing me the ball, and I put my trust into him as he's throwing me the ball to make a play for him because he believes in me, so... When it's my time and he throws me the ball and throws the rest of the receiver the ball, we have to make that play. And he has to put that trust in us. And we had that connection, so everything was going smooth. Captain America, huh? That's an interesting nickname. Where did he get that from? <laughs> he looks like the Captain America character of Marvels. And I always joked around with him about that when I first got there. Do you have a nickname on the team? They call me Key or K6 or Ocho Carter. K6? Yeah, that was just my... Ocho Carter, <laughs> all right. Is that from Ocho Seiko? Yes, sir. Well, I think now we should start calling you the Flash, Keyshawn, because <laughs> you know, those, those those numbers hold up. There's different kinds of speed, right? I mean, that's yes, uh, it's pretty impressive. You would mentioned earlier about being able to play the different positions, the different types of receiver roles. Do you have a favorite route? My favorite route is the post route. I can show my speed with the post and show how I can leave defenders behind. When I get off the line and how do you set that up, you know, as far as, you know, at, at the release point, because you're going to have DBs playing different leverage, different, you know, different ways. If the guy's up on you, you know, you may run it a little bit differently. What are some of the different releases that you use or what you go through in your head before you run that route in a game? Well, I start off with a hesitation just to see how the DB is going to play me. But if they're pressed, but if they're off, I just come off full speed and shave my side a little bit like I'm shaving a cone of ice. I just piece up the body the way they're playing and how they're defending me. I got like 
a little saying I do in my head when I'm going against defenders. I got one, two, or three. The two is the chest. So I could just pick, see how he's playing me, if he's backpedaling or if he's trying to catch me. I could attack his three and shave my side a little bit and then go back to getting upfield and then running my post route. And Captain America launches the ball and it's history. Captain America launches the ball and I have to go get it. All right. Let's talk about that speed some more. I'm just curious. I mean, what's the goal for the pro day? What are you setting for yourself? I'm sure you have a number in mind. My goal is 4-2. That's a serious statement. You're going to break the record. We're not going to see you at the combine, no, right? No, sir. So it will have to be on the pro day, but that would have been interesting to, to see you yes, run sir. there in, in <laughs> Indy. That, that would have been cool. We'll keep an eye on you. We'll keep an eye on you. Hopefully you get yes, there. Which NFL wide receiver would you compare your game to? Compare my game to A.J. Green because he know how to see the field and just him getting open and using his hands to grab the ball and making contested catches. Although I, I he is taller than me and slower, I feel like we have the same route running mechanics and just our IQ of the game is different. Well, the, the former Bengal, who also played for the Cardinals, just yes, retired. Sir. Cliff Kingsbury, obviously, was your head coach at Texas Tech. What did you learn from him? And he coached A.J. Green with the Cardinals. I just learned from him that being the younger guy coming in, you always have to go in trying to take someone's job. Just not Don't come in and settle just to be an average player. Come in and try to take someone's job or get on the field somehow. And he started me in the playbook early. Like he told us as freshmen that we had to get in the playbook or you just going to be in the red shirt program. So I was in the playbook, and I really executed all the plays as a true freshman. Uh, I was two of four people that was freshman playing, like guys like Alan Bowman and Tajon Henry and Sir Roger Thompson. We was like the main four that were – playing because we could get the playbook down when we first got there i was in the playbook more than anybody i stayed in the playbook it was like homework and school really so Keyshawn, outside of this tyreek speed that you're that you're flashing here what makes you confident that you can make an nfl roster and then i think take it a little bit further like you just said not be satisfied with just making it but hey let, let me get on the field but just where do you get your confidence from at this point to say, hey, I'm a draftable player, I'm going to make your team, and I'm going to play. Things I feel make me confident I can make an NFL roster is my speed, good decision-making, and mentally and physically tough on the field. My ability just to learn the playbook so fast, you have to learn that playbook or you won't even touch the field. So, I mean, I've always been the one to – tell my teammates on the field what they have and just in case they forget a play that's why I always knew every position so I could tell them like why we in the play oh yeah you got this and I have that a lot is just being myself and just going up there and being able to play any position or being on any special teams just being in college I went through a lot of adversity so and being patient and waiting my turn so when that time comes, I know I can play my role, and whenever I get on the field, I'm going 100% anywhere and wherever the scouts and teams need me. 
Well, I tell you what, Keyshawn, we really appreciate you coming on the show. We'll give you a little opportunity here. Typically, we give everybody this opportunity to shout out, you know, social media handles, anything that uh, you're promoting, your agent, your family. Just go ahead and you have the floor here to say what you want. Shout out to my mom, my dad, my daughter, Callie Ray Carter. I love them. My grandma. And this surges, my other grandma, Francis Carter, just everybody in Willis and the Woodlands. Shout out to my cousin, Michael Bishop, uh, just being in my ear through this process. And y'all can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. My Twitter handle is Keyshawn43. My Instagram is Keyshawn underscore Carter underscore three. Putting on for the dub in the Woodlands. All right. Sounds great. We'll be keeping an eye on it. We want to see that 4-2, even if it's like 4-2-5. We'll, I think we'll be all right with that, all right? I got you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, gang. That was Keyshawn Carter. Again, thank you for your time, and uh, we'll be watching you, and uh, hopefully things go well for you and you get drafted. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right, gang, that is going to do it for us this week. It's Super Bowl week. I am so excited. I'm stoked for this game. I'm not really sure why, but uh, I think you all know why. This is it. 15 is going to get it done, and uh, Andy Reid will have slayed the dragon. He formerly led the pass for the, for the Eagles. So for my pal Alex, I'm Lou. Till next time, peace.